Today's forecast for marketing leaders promises scattered showers of expert insights on marketing strategies before a big front of leadership advice comes through from the Southwest, leading to a warm, balmy evening of CMO combo. But while that forecast might sound pretty nice and soothing, social media has been pretty turbulent lately. Pride and tested platforms have lost their effectiveness, the ability for brands to reach customers has diminished, and the strategies that were many organizations bread and butter are breaking down. With all that in mind, we're sitting down with fractional CMO Liz Delinsky to ask, what the heck has happened to social media? Hi, Liz. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Great. Nice to be here, Will. Well, it's great to have you here, Liz, because it's a, a conversation that we're having today that is incredibly topical, I suppose, because we're talking about social media and there's a lot going on in social media right now. So I'm very excited to have that discussion with you today, Liz. But before we do get into all that and we start talking about Musk and Zuckerberg and all that, I don't want to say good stuff because I don't know if they are good stuff right now, but <laughs> it's into that, into that meaty stuff. Um, maybe you can introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a bit about your background and why this topic was so important for you to talk about today. Sure. So I'm a fractional chief marketing officer, and I currently work at Foria, which is a women's intimate wellness brand. And we have products for sexual wellness and period care. Um, and I'm a fractional, which at the exec level is becoming more and more common these days, especially for growing brands, because it allows young companies to sort of access strategic support at an appropriate level for them. Um, and Foria as a brand is a brand that's growing because it's in a hot space, meaning uh, women's wellness, which is a big opportunity space in CPG world. And so it's a very dynamic time to work at a brand that's young brand, startup, and also in a dynamic space, which is growing. It makes it very exciting. Fantastic. Um, and I suppose as well, a women's health brand is probably one that in the times we're in, probably under even more pressure to have a decent presence on social media to be accessible to people to be the source of knowledge but then even before the current issues with musk on twitter and stuff like that there were still cases of social media sort of censoring scientific terms censoring like i've seen cases of like um social media accounts on instagram about women's health being um being blocked or being taken down because of talking about breastfeeding, showing pictures of breastfeeding, these scientific medical things. So that's going to be a major challenge for you as a brand, I suppose, even, even before this current stuff that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> even before this current iteration uh, at Foria, we've had a number of challenges with, um, with ads being taken down, with accounts uh, being um, taken down. And most of the time, it happens when we're actually following the written rules of Facebook or the written rules of, of Twitter and Google and, and you still get shut down because so much of what happens in terms of ad approvals is done with automation um, and is also done you, you're without a deep sort of understanding of the space. And so it is a constant challenge in any emerging category. And it's especially a constant challenge in a category like women's health that is very you know, can be very, you know, politically fraught. Um, and a lot of people have different opinions about what should and shouldn't be in the public discourse related to the category. And so uh, as a young brand, you know, social media, a, it's so important for a, for a consumer brand. It really is at the core of what a brand is. And then to have uh, sort of your whole business model and communication with your customers, not in your own hands can be quite, can be quite a challenge. Definitely, definitely. So let's let's um 
let, let's talk a bit about sort of like the overall landscape of social media as a marketing tool. Like, I, I feel like we've, well, we've more than passed the point where it's a mainstream tool. Like social media is pretty much here to stay as a marketing channel. I feel whatever that social media is, that might change, but like the actual concept of social media is pretty much locked in now. But yeah. how we've used it has changed a lot. I think I feel as brands and like, let's say, is it 15 years now since Facebook launched? Is that what I'm going to say is like the mainstream social media period? Yeah, decade and a half, but it's changed a lot in that time. Like, let's talk a bit about how it's changed. Yeah. Like, how do you see it's, uh, the changes have occurred? It, it's interesting because I don't actually see social media as sort of being a channel, a separate channel anymore. That might have been the case in the beginning, but it's no longer an additional channel. And as the world blends between, you know, like, is YouTube a broadcaster or is YouTube a social media channel, right? Like, so at some point in time, when you have new technologies enter, these new technologies become, you know, put to the side, like they're a separate thing. And you have a bunch of specialists who learn that particular, you know, mode of communication. But, you know, after 10 years, it's mainstream, it just blends into the core part of media. And, and I don't know that you can actually even say that social media is a separate thing from other media at this point. It's just one of the tools, you know, each particular platform works differently. YouTube maybe looks more like a TV channel, you know, Twitter is a, you know what I mean? And now um, the launch of threads, these are verbal, you know, or words-based channels. And then you have picture-based channels, you have video-based channels. It, it all blends together. So I'm not sure that I would even at this point in time think that it's a separate thing. Like, I don't think you could go into a career in social media these days. Like mm -hmm. maybe now you could, but within five or 10 years, it's, you're just going to have to have a career in media. Um, and I think that social media has changed a lot in that it is now the core growth channel for most consumer brands. It's it's not something that you hand off to a young college grad because they know that social thing anymore. It really is the core essence of your brand. It's not a low stakes channel anymore either. Uh, I mean, look what recently happened with Bud Light. What happened in social media was their whole brand. And so the ability to communicate with and have a two-way conversation in media is just part of what media is these days. It's it is a two way conversation. I mean, look, we're having a, a, a podcast here. We're having a, a two way conversation. So that's the norm. That shift happened, you know, 15 years ago when we switched from one way conversations, even with the advent of of email, everything that happened with the Internet. That's just the, the way of the the way of the land. And if we think through some of the iterations that have happened over the last, say, 15 years ago, you know, when after social media first started, it, it was only organic, right? In the beginning, and there wasn't a really strong paid channel. And then Facebook changed the algorithm, right? Zuck had to make his money. So all of a sudden, brands no longer had this sort of like level playing field that even the little guys could get out there. People had to had to buy their way in. And a lot of brands that had built their whole livelihood building Facebook groups and Facebook audiences, all of a sudden, the number of followers you had, it didn't really matter at all because you could have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and still nobody would see your content. And so that was like the first shift that happened. Then you had everybody was in paid and all the venture capitalists and all the consumer brands and startups were all chasing. And some brands built their whole entire model on Facebook advertising. Like that was the way their whole 
the whole structure of their acquisition business worked. Well, all it took was then Apple to come in and change the privacy laws with, you know what I mean? Like the shifts in iOS. And now Facebook advertising no longer had this lockdown monopoly paid advertising. And so then brands had to shift again and say, oh, okay, we, we can't force our, you know what I mean? Our messages in front of people. We're going to have to go out to content creators who already has that audience in their channel. And then now, you know, we've been in this age of content creators are king, but, and influencers, right? Everything is about brand ambassadors and influencers. But now we've just moved into this mode where AI is coming in. So every time there's going to be a wave, like you're not going to be able to be stable in media or assume that you're going to be able to build a strategy that is based off of assuming that the big tech companies are not going to make changes. I mean, they're in business too. They're making changes all the time. They have game theory playing around between them. And as a brand, you're going to be at the mercy of those changes. And so you need to always be prepared and watching for what's coming next and start shifting strategy. And right now, you know, that's AI. That's the shift that every brand needs to be making, especially every brand that's sitting right now in a content creator strategy, which they moved off their paid Facebook ads into paid content creator. It's like, guys, the next shift's coming and everybody needs to be working on it already now. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, I particularly want to focus on the idea of the, this idea of like social media is a level playing field because I, I feel like there is kind of that misconception still out there, particularly amongst like non-marketers that anyone can grow a social media audience. Any brand can be a challenger brand and take on the big guns if they can build enough social media presence. But that's just not the real the reality now at all. There's A, far more channels that you need to be able to keep track of and build an audience on to be able to say that we are dominating social media. And B, your content is just not going to get to people. Like it's just, yeah, without some kind of payment, there's no way you can really game the algorithm to get your content in front of people who aren't following you anymore, which is great for the consumers. I can fully see the benefit to consumers, but it does mean that social media has just become similar to like the television space, like advertising space on that, where it is prohibitively expensive for you to be able to grow a presence there and grow it and make it an effective part of your business. So I can see why a lot of people are turning to these sort of AI tools as a way of maximizing content outlook, be able to try and game the algorithm. But to me, that feels like it flies in the face of what social media is about, about and that building that, that oh, human oh. connection. Well, I'm sorry. Could you do that question again? My internet yeah. has gone a little unstable and I apologize. I, I just see a little internet unstable connection has happened. Yeah, no so worries. So just re-ask yeah. that question and then, yeah. Yeah, I, I did see you freeze up a little bit there, but I was hoping you'd, you'd come back in time, but no worries. Um, so yeah, the, um, one thing I do want to focus on is that idea of um, social media as a level playing field. I feel like there is a bit of a misconception out there, at least amongst non-marketers, that anyone can grow a social media presence. Anyone can build up an audience as big as like a major brand. Any challenger brand can use social media as a way of leveraging as, as a way of like establishing themselves and building an audience and a customer base, but that's not going to work if your content's not getting to the people in front of them. It's not going to work if you're not producing the right kind of content that the algorithm's going to favor to position them because you can't game those algorithms realistically. Yeah. And so I can see why a lot of people are turning to this kind of cheaper model of using AI to produce lots and lots of content. But to me, that feels like kind of flies in the face of what social media is about. Going back to what you're saying about 
this one-to-one connection. It is about building almost a human connection with your brand. So is AI-driven social media content strategies, is that the way to go, do you think, Liz, or is there more to be explored around that? Well, I think it's really important to differentiate between social media strategies, social media planning, and social media execution. Mm-hmm. So is AI the way to go for social media execution? Absolutely. I mean, social media currently in its current method of being executed is hugely labor intensive. The need to create a post every day and on TikTok multiple times a day on Twitter, you know, you need to post 10 times a day. So the need to create this volume of posts which is part of the execution of social media. Absolutely. Because I would consider that part of that part of the work of social media is not where the value is created. That's a low, that's a low value space, the execution. And right now companies are having to invest a lot of dollars in the execution part. Now at the other end of the spectrum, you've got strategy. And then in the middle, you've got planning strategy is something that as of right now, social media, AI is not capable of doing for a brand. because, And that's because social media really is the essence of your brand strategy. It is the essence of what you're going to decide to be. And you could ask AI, what should our brand be? But that's going to like narrow everything towards the mean. So we saw that a lot, you know, in the last decade, the rise of millennial branding and all the startups began to look the same because everyone was using the same font of the same colors and the same pictures, you know, plain product on pink background, millennial pink, right? And, and every brand looked the same. Well, all of those hordes of brands that, you know, grew up during that period. I mean, how many of them really created a lasting presence or broke through? So if you use AI for your strategy, AI is going to push you to the mean and push you to having a bland brand because it's going to look at the sea of what's out there and say, ah, the middle most likely thing is this. So therefore it'll predict the middle most likely thing. And that's just a recipe to have no brand at all. And what makes a brand is a point of view being provocative, uh, saying something slightly different than what your competitors are doing in a way that really interests humans, saying the unexpected thing. And so I think that over in the strategy space, that's really, you know, that's really where marketing executives, you know, marketing professionals can shine because the answer is actually not what AI tells you. It's something different, right? And so, uh, creating what should our content be about, what should our brand stand for, what should our brand be against, all of those things have to be done at their core. What topic areas do we want to own? What should be our tone? Like all of those, you know, how do we take pictures? How do we respond to community? All of those things need to still be defined for your brand. And then make that comment 20 times on a brand post, make 12 versions of this piece of content that all express that strategy that I want to do, well, that's something that AI is going to take. And right now, most brands have, you know, hordes of people in their social media teams just cranking out content at at a high volume. And that's the piece that's going to get taken off the plate. But your core brand essence, that's still, it's going to be a ways before you can say, oh, let's just build a brand that has a strong POV. Will we get there eventually? Maybe, let's talk in five years. But today, the answer is to have it take the executional details off your plate. That kind of unique perspective, that kind of authenticity, I feel is going to be even more important moving forward. You look at you look at TikTok as 
maybe that is what the future of social media is. Maybe more and more social media platforms going to follow the kind of model that TikTok has. And that's all about kind of authentic, not very well, like polished, branded content. It's not like the stuff you see on Instagram and YouTube. It is that kind of, these are real people talking to each other. And that is the kind of stuff, that kind of perspective isn't something that AI can create for you because Gen Z, they can spot that kind of stuff. They're far more <laughs> technology savvy than most of the people probably listening to this podcast because they've grown up with this kind of stuff. They, they've grown up in a world where there are deep fakes and AI producing content. That's the thing. Like Generative AI has been around for a while and it's just suddenly hit the mainstream. So they know when, is, when the deep fake is happening. They know when a brand isn't being authentic. So yeah, that's when building that kind of unique presence on social media, that unique voice is going to be so important. Well, the human brain likes the unexpected. So when the interaction goes exactly as a consumer is expecting, it just fades into the background and doesn't, doesn't break through. So if, if you're a brand and you're trying to create passion within a consumer, you can't just be completely unexpected. I mean, completely expected all the time. That might work you know, like the category leader. But if you're, you know, a challenger brand or you're a startup brand, if you just make your brand feel really expected and never, you know, excite or generate any emotion in, you know, in your community and your consumer base, it, you know, it's the emotion, right? Like creating emotion in humans is what creates passion for a brand. And so the only way you can kind of create that emotion is you have to define what emotion do I want to create? You know, what labors are I'm going to, am I going to be willing to create to, to um, establish that emotion? And what things am I not? Because once again, if you let AI sort of algorithmically plan it, you'll end up in the depths of everything that's bad about social media and your brand will end up being everything that's, you know, everything that's bad about social media. And, you know, if you're trying to create a dark arts brand that, you know, is evil in the world, and I don't know that many <laughs> founders that are aiming to start up with an evil brand. So <laughs> Let, let's hope not. Let's not hope there are loads and loads of billionaire. Well, there probably are quite a lot of billionaires out there planning evil, but let's not, let's not dig into that right now. Let's talk about some <laughs> other billionaires instead, shall we? Who, Say they're not doing evil. Let's talk about let's talk about Musk and Twitter because we can't talk about social media right now without talking about everything that's going on on there. I imagine a lot of the stuff that Musk has done in terms of rolling back a lot of like the protections that people had to be able to have these kind of safe spaces, all in the purported support of freedom of speech. I imagine it's got to have a major impact on brands like yours, where it's where you do need those kind of safe spaces and protections for people to be able to discuss things, particularly when it comes to like these medical terms that like Musk has declared a a, a slur on that, like cisgender, for example. I imagine that that kind of stuff has got to be very difficult to deal with um, from your perspective. So what's what's interesting is, is it's actually the um the censorship of like saying, oh, cisgender is gonna be a slur or something like that that creates more problems for a brand like ours in the women's health health space, because you have these large platforms that really have control of the public discourse and are making decisions about what is and is not an acceptable conversation to have. And so there's this weird, I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, that makes Twitter a space where the conversations can happen, they need to get happened and they won't be censored out. But with that, you know, with great, you know, with great rights comes great responsibility yeah. because then you also get the dark side of that. So 
you know, it's an interesting dichotomy, you know, originally when, you know, the, the gloves came off of Twitter, it was interesting because there were a lot of brands that said, hey, that's great because you want to want both Google and Facebook censor me um, all the time and don't let our brand conversation happen. And this is an environment where, you know, the, the brand conversation can happen. Women's health being sort of like one of the one of those spaces. Um, but you know, anytime you have, these are large corporations running, they have their own agenda, they're building their own brand. And so, yes, their advertisers are their client, but, you know, at the end of the day, their their stockholders are their client. And so they're looking to make a move. They're playing game theory in order to try and make a move that they think is going to help them win, win more share. And you see that coming from Facebook, like coming in with threads. Okay, I'm going to try and create a, a, a Twitter killer. It's going to be the same model, but yet it's going to come with all of Facebook's um, advertising industry <laughs> infrastructure. And so what you're really doing is moving Instagram into a text. You're just creating text-based Instagram the way Facebook looked to create reels and they just were creating a video-based Instagram to com compete with TikTok. So at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself to a brand, what's the value of different platforms? Is the value of the platform the format or is the value of the platform the audience and the style of interaction that occurs? And if you bring Instagram style interaction to a text-based world, does that achieve what you know what you want to achieve as an advertiser? Now, as a brand, as an advertiser, you want to try and go capture all the spaces. <laughs> this is a challenge when you're a small brand because you know the amount and volume of content and the amount and volume of work that it creates to try and be on all the platforms is immense. And this is where the opportunity of AI is: is that the long tail of content creation, the long tail of automation becomes easier. Um, but, but then I suppose AI usage is a bit of a double-edged double sword in this situation because it's AI and it's machine learning that's being used to sort of monitor the language in a lot of these places and monitor the kinds of posts that might be scientifically and from a health focus effective. But going back to what we were saying at, uh, at the beginning of the show, it might involve breastfeeding, it might involve discussion of genitalia. And if a machine learning isn't really taught well, has well, it can't learn the nuances between <laughs> pornography and healthcare, for example, then that means there's got to be this extra hurdle, this other barrier to really establish mm. themselves. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's applicable to other industries beyond the health industry as well. I'm sure there's lots of other things involved with them. Um, with sexual wellness brands, all kinds of other brands as well out there. Um, Probably, I mean, the cannabis industry in America as well. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Being, well, uh, we have a lot of products with CBD in them, yeah. and we have the same challenges at Foria with with CBD as as a as a category. Um, and while the rules have changed, you're allowed to advertise CBD. The the actuality when it's controlled by an algorithm is not the same. Um, ads still get censored, whether they're following the rules or not. Um, over time, I, th I think the name of the game really is to make sure for any brand is to make sure that all your eggs are not in one basket. So every platform has different challenges to it. And as a brand, you can't let 
you know, you can't let Facebook own your brand. So many brands had that had that problem originally when the Apple algorithm, you know, privacy laws changed. And all of a sudden they went, their entire brand was built on the Facebook platform. And if, you know, 50% of your acquisition comes from one platform, you don't really own your brand. You, you know, you, that, that platform owns your brand. You're just, it's sort of like you're an Uber driver. You, you know, Uber owns the the customer. You don't, you don't own the customer. And if you don't own the customer, then you don't own anything. And so for a brand, the key is to be on multiple platforms. And if each algorithm works slightly different, any given algorithm, you know, your Facebook account gets shut down because you work in sexual wellness, which Foria is known for our sexual wellness and intimacy products. You know, if we get shut down on Facebook, we have to have other channels in play so that we own our brand and we own the customer communications and that you're not kind of at the mercy of, you know, a big platform and the moves that they are going to make. Uh, because if you think that they're not going to make another move, you're right, like this, these moves have made the in, in the U.S., the Hollywood writers and actors have all gone on strike. There's a call for content creators and influencers to join the writers on strike and to not, you know, sort of cross those picket lines. If you think that these things are not going to create sea changes as you look towards the next five years of planning your career, the next 10 years, 15 years of planning your career. Right. The one constant is change. So we know that it's going to we know that these things are going to change. We know that there are going to be new platforms. For a brand, the more new platforms that come in, the more you strength you have as a brand. It creates a lot of work, but it also means you have more and more control of your brand and that the platform doesn't own your own your company and own your business and own your revenue stream. So I, I might be more biased towards this because I, I do work in a company that is <laughs> community driven, but I'm seeing a lot of conversations around brands wanting to build communities. And a lot of that involves building them on platforms that aren't platforms that actually give them a bit more control over the moderation where they create community spaces within them. Talk about Reddit, Discord, that kind of thing. Is that a way to really try and create the benefits of social media without being on these social media platforms, having a bit more freedom, a bit more control from the brand side over what's going on on there? Well, it's interesting because I would, I mean, in, in a broad sense, Reddit is a, also a social media platform, right? And we've explored a little bit of advertising with Reddit, had some luck there. Discord may not currently be heavily advertised in, although it's heavily in, you know, has heavy, heavy influencer activity. Um, and so to me, these are just two additional platforms, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, where these are just forms of, of media and each particular channel or platform has its own idiosyncrasies. But as a brand, your job is to manage it across different platforms and to make sure that your community and your presence is not solely tied to one place. So for example, if, if your entire sort of community is built within Discord right now, that's a risky, you know, risky place to be. So you would want to diversify and say, okay, there are going to be changes to Discord. We could, it, it's inevitable, right? Like it's inevitable that there are going to be changes. So anytime you build one platform and you, you take your whole entire community and you make your community a based off of a technology, you know, I question whether you really have that audience or that community. The essence of a brand is to have that that end customer have a relationship with you, the brand, and you need that customer's relationship to be platform agnostic. So you need you might need that customer to follow you or be part of your community in in one space 
as a brand, you definitely want to create more than one connection and more than one platform that you have that interaction. So if they're in social media, you need to get them an email. If they're just an email, you need to get them in social media, because at the end of the day, what you're cultivating and building is community, not a platform. And the platforms are just tools and you want to have overlap in the tools, because if you don't have control of the tools, you can't let the platform be 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 the only way you have access to your community. And at the end of the day, it comes back to an an old school idea of, you know, push versus pull advertising. Like you can't just push your messages out. You have to have people coming and developing a relationship with you as a brand and wanting to come find you wherever they are. So as they shift from Twitter to threads, that they will follow you there too. Um, and, you know, it comes back to good old fashioned brand building. And that's really, at the end of the day, all we're doing, especially in the space I'm working in, in consumer goods. Definitely. Um, I like I like this idea of community being the ultimate goal and all the tools like in it are just working towards that. It goes back to what you were saying earlier about social media not just being like its own channel anymore. It, it is just, it's intertwined with everything else that's going on. It's not just something that happens off in a corner. You have one person sitting down doing all the tweeting all day. It's something that is like, yeah, interwoven with all these different marketing activities. So, and those person to person communications are a you know a big chunk of it. So it's not only the community's interaction with you, but it's the community's interaction with each other. Um, in you know the women's intimate care space, right? Like we have products like we have a product called Sex Oil. It's a loop. The best way to find out about it is a woman <laughs> tells a girlfriend at lunch, "This is the one you want to use. Like this one worked for me." And at the end of the day, that as a brand, your objective is to create those word of mouth situations, create that passion with your brand that's going to make somebody willing to share it, that passion with the brand that when they get to the end of the bottle, they're going to come back to us for the next bottle instead of switching to whatever brand is on sale on Amazon. Um, you know, another advertising platform we haven't talked about that also is a little social media like these days. And so... Um, you know, that's the brand's goal at the end of the day is to find a way to create that passion. It's back to a classic sort of marketing concept around, right? 20% of your customers are driving 80% of your business. You know, these tech tools are the same way. 20% of your, you know, your fan base on any social media platform is driving 80% of the value. So it's all about building loyalty and passion and whatever you need to do in terms of both staying top of mind and frequency of message, having personalization of message so that that customer feels seen and understood and has their needs met. All of those, giving them the tools, the tech tools to be able to share on behalf of your brand. All of these things are, you know, back down to that core. What am I doing to cultivate brand relationship and brand conversations? Definitely. I'm just going to say as a, as an aside, Liz, I imagine there'd be a very, very interesting conversation to be had about SEO, which we've got products like sex oil and stuff like that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll park that for now and let, leave that to the imagination of the audience, how you deal with those kinds of challenges for now. Um, so we kind of talked a bit about like the changes that are happening on social media in terms of like the impact of technology. And we touched on some sort of like the macro things that are happening right now that are impacting it, like the the, the writers and, um, and actors strike. What are the things that people need to be aware of that are coming up in the near future that might impact how we utilize social media, how certain platforms are, whether they're still fertile grounds for the kind of discourse that you're going to be having on there. I imagine like the election cycle is going to be a big thing 
in the US that's going to impact that? Is there anything else out there that you think that people need to have on their radar and be aware of? I think one of the interesting things to me as we look sort of farther out in the future is right now we're doing a lot of talking about companies using AI and how that um, and how that is impacting the market. But we have a new, you know, we have a digital base now, right? The mo like the boomers have are starting to, you know, move through the system. We have millennials, we have Dendi. They're they also see their own personal brand being very strong. And so how are consumers going to use AI and also be be using the tools to affect their relationships with brands? And so as a brand, you know, one of the things you're thinking about, well, how do we how do we produce content? How do we uh, how do we challenge things? How do we communicate? We have to recognize that consumers are many brands into themselves and they're also thinking to themselves, oh, look, I don't have to answer my email every day. My algorithm can just go and delete and mm. you know open things and change things. We already had seen that a little bit in the affiliate space where you have all these automations. Um, you know, for example, earlier in my career, I worked at Capital One and Capital One has a great um, uh shopping tool that's associated with all your credit cards where it's automatically finding the discount for you. So as a brand, if we think that these shifts are happening only for us as companies and we're not thinking about, well, how are our customers going to be shifting their behavior based on these new tools? Our customers going to be more skeptical? Our customers going to do things like ask the customer service rep, hey, are you AI? I don't want to talk to AI or, or things like that. Like this idea that there's no game theory that other players don't react to the moves that you make, you know, is short-sighted. There will be reactions from, from consumers to all the new technologies as well, and they will start changing their behavior as well. And I suppose it's not just in terms of using these new tools to just try and avoid um, certain brands advertising or something like that. There's the implication of trolls as well need to be considered, like the kind of content that they could produce that kind of volume once they put their mind to it they they're already pretty prolific and pretty horrifying in the kind of stuff they could do once they get access to well a lot of them probably do already have access to a lot of ai tools because that's the kind of circles so i don't want to cast dispersions on tech-minded people but you know what i mean liz you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah and there's a brand you're always right like there's so many people who imitate you know what i mean imitate brands now at this point and and can create you know real impact on a brand's public perception when you have somebody who's not working on behalf of your company acting as if they are, you know, this is a game that was learned in the political space. And this is always a risk for brands, which once again, comes back to, you can't have a light connection with your community. You have to have a strong connection with your community so that your community is able to tell the difference between you know, imposters and you. And so that when you get when you get trolled, you get a lot of, of support. Um, before working at Foria, I worked for a brand called Lunia, a sleepwear brand. And we used to have a lot of passionate, um, passionate fans who would defend the brand. So if, if anybody came in criticizing, boy, you know, you're going to have a real passionate, strong fan base that's going to say, hey, you know, that's not how they roll. That's that's not what their brand's about. And so that's that's another reason for having strength in your community is because the community has chosen to be fans of the brand and then the community will help protect the brand. And it's back to that, right? The, the customer owns the brand, you as the company don't own the brand, right? You're cultivating this space and you're cultivating this meaning and this usage around your products and what this is gonna stand for and what your POV in the world is. And consumers will help you protect that as well. 
Definitely, definitely. So Liz, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. And, and of course, there probably is so much more that we could cover as well, but we just don't have time at the end of the day. Like it's social media, there's all these different channels. We yeah. do deep dives onto all the different individual major <laughs> ones, but we'll leave that for now. Let's see if we can pull together everything that we talked together into some golden rules that CMOs need to be thinking about in relation to social media right now. Like what should they be, what should they have top of mind thinking about maybe like right now and the future as well? Um Right now, I would I would say the, the most important thing is, is that, you know, don't think about social media as being this channel to the side that you hire some new college grads to take care of. Like that world has left. Social media and community is the essence, the core of your brand. And that's where your brand strategy should start. It like way upfront in terms of like what that product and what that brand is about is building that community. And what do you want that community to think here, um, you know, say about your brand? And then the platforms are just in support of that. So I would be like social media and community is the essence. It's part of the core strategy planning. It should be, I don't know, I think it's 50% of a CMO's, you know what I mean? Like thought process, like, yeah, the tech stack's the tech stack, but what we want this to be is the most important part of it. And then also to think a little bit about how they're planning, you know, organizations around the, the coming long tail of content creation that can be done with AI and automations that can be done with, with AI and say, what we really need is thinkers more than doers in our organization and for our brands. And so, you know, as a CMO and, you know, for other um, execs, I'd be thinking, what kind of talent do we need who can be able to work within a really rapidly changing landscape? And it's going to change. There are going to be new things that come and we could try and predict what they are. And in five years, we'll be completely wrong. But you do know that things will change. So as you build your brand and as you build your talent and as you build your tech stack, flexibility is even more important than it was 20 years ago. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Speaking of a rapidly changing landscape, like who knows if all the stuff we were talking about was going to be relevant by the time it gets published. <laughs> that is the that is the the nature of the game, I suppose, when we're talking about this kind of stuff. Like so like social media is changing so rapidly and technology yeah. is changing so rapidly. So let's hope. And I think the key is yeah. that it doesn't the particular topic doesn't matter. It's the philosophy around the topic that you want to learn. Is it threads? Well, that's not going to be relevant a year or two years from now because it'll be totally different. But the key is, how do I deal with changes and new platforms that come up? That's the learning you want to take away anytime you're, you know, having these types of conversations. Liz, I could not have put it better myself because I couldn't think of a way of justifying it. But thank you very much, Liz, because that makes perfect sense. And I think that is the message that needs to be taken away today. Like Things change rapidly, but your philosophy to how you approach the uses of these platforms, the uses of these technologies, that shouldn't change. So thank you very much for that, Liz. Really appreciate this conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. As I said, there's so much more to explore out there, but we're going to have to leave it there for now, I think. But I'd happily explore it again. Maybe once we know a bit more about threads, we can pick up the conversation and see what's going on. I pick up the thread of the great. conversation. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Um, and thank Thanks, you much. Uh, well, no, thank you, Liz. Thank you very much for joining me. And thank you to our audience as well. As I said, social media, very, very topical conversation right now. So I'm sure this has been helpful to them. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon with some more CMO combos. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.